Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Do you have a lifestyle of contending for Jesus? Do you consistently bring Jesus Christ into your daily interactions? Do you look to magnify Jesus when the opportunity arises? It is our duty as Christians to contend for the one true faith in Jesus Christ. Let's open our Bible now to Jude chapter 1 and look at the incredible privilege we have to walk with Jesus and contend for the faith. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Sunday morning here in Texas and hopefully y'all loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, spending time in the word of God, spending time in the scriptures, just, just reading your Bible, studying your Bible, meditating on the scriptures, thinking about the scriptures, above all, obeying the scriptures, obeying the word of God, spending time with Jesus when we when we're in our Bible, we're spending time with the Trinity, you know, God, the father, God, the son, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, they're all God. Right. But they are three separate individual persons, all with the nature of God. It's not one God expressing himself in three ways. We actually have three independent relationships with God in the form of three persons, right? God the Father is our heavenly Father if we receive Jesus as our Savior and we're genuinely trusting and relying in Him. Um, Jesus Christ, God the Son, is our Lord and Savior and Master and King. The Holy Spirit, right? God the Holy Spirit is our guide, our counselor, and our comforter. And if we're genuinely in Jesus Christ today, which is to say genuinely trusting and relying on him alone for the forgiveness of our sins, the salvation of our soul, the deliverance from eternal hell, and to go to heaven when we die, then in Christ we have relationship, uh, growing relationship as we pursue them um, with each member of the Holy Trinity. It's, it's, it's a privilege that the really words cannot express. So just thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, I'm still looking for which, uh, just, you know, not knowing where to go as far as, uh, you know, the Lord's leading with what, what book to teach next. So we, we've done, we finished the book of John, I believe it was 91 teachings, and we have completed Luke chapters 8, 7, and 6. Um, we were doing different Bible studies in Luke, so that's how I, you know, I chose those chapters, but we've done those chapters completely. I don't know how many teachings there are. There could be around maybe 12, 13, or 14 teachings in those chapters of Luke. Luke chapter 8, 7, and 6 have all been completed. So today, just seeking the Lord, I did Bible study yesterday with my wife, May, and my daughters, Kristen and Lauren, and my, uh, my wonderful son-in-law, Nathan. And we discussed, uh, we were studying the book of Jude. So the book of Jude is at the back of your Bible. Um, it's the second to last book of the Bible. It's the 65th book in your Bible. The Bible has 66 books, Scott, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, make up the Holy Scriptures, the canon of Scripture, as it said, the Word of God. The book of the Bible is made up of those 66 books. And Jude 
is the book right before the last book, which is called Revelation, as most of you know. The book is titled Jude, but the, his name was actually Judas. But, you know, this book is titled Jude because, you know, he didn't want any confusion of people thinking that he was Judas Iscariot, who, of course, was the one that had betrayed Jesus. And so, although his name is Judas, he goes by Jude. Um, and he is, you know, he was uh, the half-brother of Jesus when Jesus walked the earth, meaning he was a member of of Jesus's natural family. You know, why do I say the half-brother? Well, Mary had children with Joseph. I believe it's Matthew 13 and Mark 6. You can see uh, the other children that Mary had with Joseph. But Mary did not have Jesus with Joseph. Mary was, was made pregnant by the Holy Spirit, right? So uh, Jude is the half-brother of Jesus because they both had the same mother, right? Earthly mother and Mary, but Joseph was Jude's father and God, the Holy Spirit was Jesus's father, right? Um, God, the Holy Spirit was the one that came on Mary and, you know, and, and, and she was pregnant, right? It has, it's, it's nothing to do with a sexual thing, right? Um, you know, God thinks a thought or speaks a word and it happens, right? So, you know, I don't know how far we'll get today, maybe verse 10, 12. I'd like to get through 16 because that ends a particular thought. This is a very difficult book. I've, I've actually done a, a lot of studying in this book to, to prepare for this teaching. Um, a, a little bit more than normal, I guess. Um, you know, and it's a hard book. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for this book of Jude. We thank you that we... We have it in our Bible, Father. We thank you for this 65th book in the Bible, in the Holy Scriptures that we call Jude. And we just, we thank you, Father, for giving us your word. Father, as always, above all, Lord, we're thankful for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life for us. We thank you for dying a perfect, righteous, torturous death for us. And we thank you that you are alive and risen today. And we worship you today, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. We ask you to open this book of Jude to our hearts. We ask you to give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Okay, Jude, there's only one chapter. Okay, um, there's one chapter of the book. It has 25 verses. All right, so I'm going to start reading verse 1, and I don't know where I'll stop. Jude, chapter 1, verse 1. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who changed the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign 
and Lord. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord, that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting change for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand. And what things they do understand, by instinct, like unreasoning animals, these are the very things that destroy them. Woe to them! They have taken the way of Cain, they have rushed for profit into Balaam's error, they have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. All right, so we'll stop there. Um, it, uh, again, the thought goes all the way to 16. There's just so much here. This may need to be three teachings. I was thinking it was going to be two, but it, it, uh, it may need to be three. We'll see how far we get. So, um, all right. Verse one. So he announces himself, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Okay, so it's interesting how how Jude announces himself here, right, Corinne? Look at this. Alicia, look at this. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, you would have thought that he would announce himself as the brother of Jesus, right? You would, you would have thought that he would have, uh, you know, my daughter Lauren yesterday said it really well. I'm trying to think how she said it. But, you know, we have a tendency to name drop relationships of, of well-known people, or well-to-do people, or wealthy people, or people who have power and influence. And we, we tend to, to associate ourselves with people like this. We tend to be happy that we have these relationships, and we often tend to boast about them. None of those things are good, by the way. And if you go back and rewind what I just said, literally none of those things are good. You should not be especially happy because you have relationship with a person of influence. Okay. The person of influence in your life is the person of God, the son, Jesus Christ. Okay. That is the person of influence in your life that you need to boast about, that you need to be excited about, that you need to be proud about. Okay. In comparison, there ought to be literally no pride at all about any human relationship in any manner or in any way, okay? Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. God the Father is your heavenly Father, right? God the Holy Spirit is your guide, your counselor, and your comforter. And these relationships are which you boast. And you don't boast about what you are in them, right? You boast about who they are to you in them, right? And your boasting ought to be that you get to be 
a son of God. You get to be a servant of Jesus Christ, the son of your father, that you get to be one with God, the Holy Spirit, who lives in you as a Christian believer. We need to repent where we are happy, excited, boastful about particular human relationships that we have, okay? If you're in relationship with someone that's uh, that's well-known or say a preacher that's well-known or a politician or, you know, um, you know, someone who's on television, uh, an actor. Again, there's no boast in that. OK, that's just another person. OK, now, again, if, if you're in position with a person of influence and they're a extremely godly man or woman and they're walking with Christ, uh, you should be excited that you have that relationship, but not because they have influence or notoriety. It should be an obvious area of repentance for all of us. Right. Um, but look how he announces himself. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, again, it's important to know who Jesus is to us, who our Heavenly Father is to us, and who the Holy Spirit is to us. But it's also extremely important to know who you are to them. Okay? Um, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ. Okay? Do you think of yourself... As a servant of Jesus Christ. It's wonderful that you think of Jesus and you need to know him as your Lord and Savior. But do you live your life thinking of yourself? Do you announce yourself? Do you do you live your life in the privilege that you are genuinely a servant of Jesus Christ? Obviously, uh, you know, uh, there are very, very few Christians that ever get to this point of maturity where they identify themselves, where their life is moment by moment, day by day about serving Jesus. OK, so again, you want to look at your life, May, you want to examine yourself and see, you know, how much of my life do I really identify as a servant of Jesus Christ in your day-to-day -day activities, from the time you wake up in the morning to the time you go to bed, do you have a focus on serving Jesus? And again, very, very few Christians ever get to this at any level. It really is our duty and our calling to, to grow into this to where this is all that matters in our lives, okay? But for most of us, right, and I'm talking about everywhere, Every level of church leadership, every level of people in the pews, every Christian, really we live in a church culture in the world today where we're servants of ourselves, of our lives, of our wives, of our children, um, you know, of our desires, of our bills, right? We're servants of our life. You know, the things we serve and do are almost entirely for our own fulfillment our own provision, right, to, to carry on the lifestyle we want to live. Now, hear me. Of course, you know, we do need to work and we, need, we do need to provide. We do need to pay the bills. But in your heart, most Christians, and when I say most, I mean 99.99 whatever, right, are their lives, very little of their life is about consciously serving Christ and advancing the interests of Christ. OK, Jude is a servant of Jesus Christ. OK, Father, I ask you to help us. Holy Spirit, I ask you to convict us. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive us. 
um, for where, you know, very little of our lives, Lord, is focused throughout the day on serving you, Lord. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you've saved us. And I ask you to help us like our big brother Jude to more and more have a conscious lifestyle where we're genuinely thinking about how we can serve you and your kingdom and your gospel. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Jude is servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. He mentions James. James also was the the half-brother of Jesus. Now, Judas, or Jude as he calls himself, and James were complete brothers, right? They were total family brothers. They both had the same mother in Mary and the same father in Joseph. They were half-brothers of Jesus because Jesus also, his worldly mother was Mary, and uh, obviously his father was was God, right? Um James is, is, is really the leader of the early church, okay? Um, as we see when we go through the book of Acts, he was, um, you know, he was one of the main leaders, okay? If not the, the, the leader of the early church. Um, and so Jude mentions here that, you know, just as a, as a credibility that, that, you know, his, his brother is James. But above all, you know, he's a servant of Jesus Christ, right? Verse 1 again, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ. Have you been called by Jesus? Are you loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's what he's saying here. You know you've been called if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I say this a lot now, all 8 billion people alive in the world today need to receive Jesus Christ. And when you receive Jesus Christ, you're among the called who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ. Okay, so we see here there's a special kind of love by God the Father for those who are his children. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever you know, receives him will have eternal life, right? Whoever believes in him will have eternal life and will not perish. That's the gospel of John chapter three, verse 16, the most famous verse in the Bible, right? But, you know, there's a special kind of love that the father has for those that have received Jesus Christ, that are his children in Jesus Christ. And it is different for the love that he has for those who have not. Before God, the father, Jesus Christ, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, there are only two types of people in the entire world. Those who have trusted and received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and those who have not. So where are you today? John 1.12 says that to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today? Are you trusting and relying on Jesus alone in what he did at the cross for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, deliverance from eternal hell, which is all that awaits without Jesus, and to ultimately spend eternity in heaven when you die? Many people would say, you know, I believe in Jesus. I don't know if I'm trusting in him. When the Bible says to believe in Jesus, it does not mean to give intellectual assent or acknowledgement to his existence. Of course, Jesus exists, 
Of course, he existed in this world. Uh, history is plain. As sure as George Washington existed, Abraham Lincoln existed, right? Caesar existed. Um, Alexander the Great existed, right? Uh, Pharaoh existed, right? Um, as sure as any, you know, ancient historical figure existed, Jesus Christ existed. But when we say we believe in Jesus, it's not saying just to believe that he exists. It means to trust in him, to have confidence in him. It would be like if I'm saying to you, uh, Esther, Esther, I believe in you. By me saying that, I'm not saying, Esther, I believe you exist. Of course you exist. I'm saying I believe you can do it. I, I have full trust and confidence and reliance on you. So are you trusting and relying in Jesus alone today for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? If you're not sure, you just simply, right now, you can just stop the tape, humble yourself, and use the words I'm going to use, but it's, it's the genuineness and the sincerity of your heart. That's all that matters, okay? Words don't save us. It's Christ that saves us. But we do use our words to communicate our heart and our mind and our thoughts to the Lord, right? Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And what that means is everyone who calls on him out of a pure and genuine and sincere heart, knowing their desperate need of him, knowing that without him, only hell awaits. So simply, you know, bow your head and humble yourself before Jesus and pray to him, Lord Jesus I confess I am a sinful person, Lord. I know that I'm sinful. I know I've done wrong. And Lord Jesus, I know that I am hopeless and helpless and desperate without you. But Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And I believe, Lord Jesus, that you did come into this world and you lived a perfect life even for me. And I believe you died a perfect death even for me. And I believe, Lord Jesus, that you are alive and risen today. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and confidence and trust in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's how you become a Christian, right? Now, again, it's not just going through the motions, right? A Christian is someone who simply as, you know, is genuinely trusting in Jesus Christ, as I've said, for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul. And, you know, again, you can use that model that I set out there. But it's the genuine humility of your heart that matters to Jesus. And if you'll call on him, the word of God promises that everyone who calls out in the, on the name of the Lord with that genuine, sincere heart and belief, will be saved and you'll become a child of God, right? Okay. Now, if you've done that, if you are a genuine Christian and you say, that's me, you are among to those who have been called. You have been called. Uh, if you're a Christian today, it could not have happened without God the Father calling you, right? Jesus said that no one comes to me, right? unless the Father enables him or calls him, right? I believe it's in John 6 and John 10, right? Um, um, you know, we don't do this in our own, right? If, if not for our Father coming to us 
and meeting us, we, we, would, we would never come to him, right? To those who, are, who have been called, who are loved by God the Father, and we talked about that, there's a special love that, that God has for you, that God the Father has for you when you're in Christ, and it's different from the love when you're, when you're not in Christ, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ, okay? Obviously, you're not kept by Jesus Christ unless you're in Jesus Christ. But if you're a genuine Christian today, Jesus will keep you. Jesus will hold on to you. Okay? You know, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Verse 2. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Now, this is a, this is a profound verse here from Jude. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. What are the things you desire most in abundance in this life, Chris? What are the things you desire most in this life? The vast majority of us, you know, when we think about what we would like in abundance, we would like, you know, we would like obviously a lot of money in abundance. We would like to have good health in abundance. We would like to have you know, loving relationships in abundance. We would like to have fun in abundance, right, Stephen? Um, you know, when we think about having things in abundance, we generally think about worldly things. But those worldly things, right, Gerald, mean, mean almost nothing in comparison to having mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance, how much do you desire to have mercy in abundance? More than anything, I need mercy. Mercy is when we do not get punishment from God that we surely deserve. Don't you believe you need that in abundance? Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Father, there's nothing we want. There's nothing we desire. Forgive us where we desire abundance, Lord. Help us that we would more desire mercy and peace and love in abundance through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, help us to grow in not only des desiring mercy, peace, and love in abundance, but to be instruments that bring mercy, peace, and love in abundance through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Do you have a lifestyle of extending mercy? There may be nothing more important in your life than extending mercy and forgiveness. Matter of fact, I'm going to go on to say there is nothing more important in the Christian life than consistently extending mercy and forgiveness everywhere. Okay. You and I have been forgiven a sinful debt that is so incomprehensible that it's infinitely more than, than anything ever been done to us or anyone we know, okay? To make it as graphic as I can, what Hitler did, okay, is not as bad as the sin and the sinfulness we have against the holy God. Wow, someone will say, how can that be? When you and I sin, we, you know, uh, we're sinning against other fallen human beings, right? Other wretched human beings, other selfish human beings. And certainly that's wrong, okay? And we should ask for forgiveness when we do it. But when, when we sin and when we disobey God 
and our words, thoughts, and actions. We're sinning against something different than a fallen, sinful, selfish human being like ourselves. We're sinning against a holy, infinite, everlasting, all-consuming, self-existent, eternal God. You see the difference? It's one thing to sin against the dog. It's another thing, another thing to, to sin against the creator of the universe who self-existed and eternal in three persons. God. It's just so much. It's just so exciting. Do y'all get that? Do you, you see that, Dustin? Wow, Uncle Dennis. Do you have a lifestyle of extending mercy? Or do you want everyone to get every bit of punishment they deserve? Because if you do... Uh, I would recommend you stop this tape and earnestly repent and ask Jesus to help you to extend mercy. Because never will we get discipline from our Heavenly Father more than when we don't give mercy and forgiveness to anyone that's wronged us or wronged anyone we know. I'm not saying it's easy, but the reason it's of such great importance is we have been forgiven a sin debt that is incomprehensible. It was so bad that all of us deserve eternal hell where we are just tormented for eternity. Do, or do you have a lifestyle of extending mercy? Mercy, peace. Do you have a lifestyle of bringing peace, right? Um, again, one of the huge problems in the body of Christ and in the local church and when you're a minister in the local church, and I'm certainly part of the problem in this, but is we, we often don't look for peace. We often want to stay angry. We want to stay bitter. We want to stay frustrated. We want to stay condemning. And we somehow think we're right in that, right? It doesn't matter what's been done. We ought to be instruments of peace and look for peace and not in a self-righteous, condemning, condescending, we know it all manner, right? Um, and again, the church is so filled. It's, it's, it's got such an imbalance. Um, and, and again, in church leaderships, and I'll say again, I'm part of the problem in this and this. We need help in the body of Christ because it's uh, we, we need peace. We need to be working with one another for the advancement of the gospel. We need to be extending mercy to one another. And I'm not saying we certainly need to correct error and things that are wrong. OK, but um it's like we want to stay angry and not be at peace. Are you an instrument that brings peace in your family, peace with your spouse, peace with your children, peace with your colleagues, and yes, peace in your church? Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Do you give away abundant love? Are you consistently loving people in Jesus, in your words, in your heart? And are you loving them to tell them the truth? Are you loving them to exhort them in the word of God? Again, we want to, to have a greater desire for these three things. And certainly we need to have a greater lifestyle of walking in these three things. It's incredible. Verse 3, dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted for the saints. One thing about Jude is his verses are long. This could have been a 50 verse book. Now, for some reason, the, you know, the, the scholars, 
you know, when, when we, when the Bible was made back in the 1500s, right? They, uh, and all the books were put together in one book around the 1500s, right? Um, for some reason they made the verses very long in this particular New Testament book. Um, and so verse three, dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, he wanted to talk about all the blessings and the excitement, and he was eager to do it. That was his desire. But by the mercy of, of God, Jude heard the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit. If he wrote about his, if he wrote what he was eager to write, it wouldn't have been a Bible book. There are undoubtedly thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of letters written in encouragement, but they're not scripture. But because Jude was sensitive to the Holy Spirit, he heard the Holy Spirit. And it was the Holy Spirit that caused him to feel, I felt I had to write and urge you, verse 3, to contend for the faith that was, was, that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Anyone who's in Jesus Christ and is a genuine Christian who's genuinely trusting and relying on Christ today alone for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul is a saint. Okay, uh, a saint is simply someone who has given their life to Jesus Christ. They've genuinely received Jesus Christ and they're trusting in him alone for the salvation of their soul and the forgiveness of their sins. They're a Christian, right? Um, in, in, the, uh, in other denominations, you know, they believe the saints are, are the super Christians, right? or the popes, or the, the people that, you know, the bishops, or the, the ones that have lived the, uh, you know, the most immaculate lives, so to speak. Um, but that's not what the Bible means when it says saints. Obviously, when Jude says here, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints, entrusted to the body of Christ, entrusted to all true believers in Jesus for all time. Now notice he said it's once for all. It was once. Jesus entered this world one time, lived a perfect life one time, died a perfect torturous death one time, and is alive and risen. He defeated sin. He defeated the spiritual enemies, the devil, Satan, Lucifer, and all his followers, right? He rose from the dead and he ascended back into heaven. And in, you know, he will come back one day to rule on earth, even as he, as he's ruling in heaven. Okay. That happens. That's happened once. And the truth of that, the truth of that faith that Jesus has done all that and every human being in human history needs him for the forgiveness of their sins, the salvation of their soul to avoid hell and to go to heaven. That truth has been entrusted to us. That one truth has been trusted to us, but we contend for it. We fight for it. We work for it. We, we do all we, we, we can and more. We're servants of Jesus Christ and contending for the faith, right? The overall faith, right, is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news in Jesus Christ that God the Father, right, sent God the Son and God the Son Jesus of his own will and decision, became a human man, lived a life being led by the Spirit of God, right, in this life, right? Lived a perfect righteous life on behalf of every human being that ever lived or will lived, died a torturous sinful death, and was raised from the dead, conquering death, the grave, sin, 
all sin and all the, the spiritual forces of evil, right? And if the individual soul and the individual person will put their full trust and reliance in Jesus Christ, they will be forgiven of their sin. They will come into relationship with each member of the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They will not go to hell and they'll go to heaven when they die. That's the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. And, and Jude says, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for that faith. The church hasn't done a very good job here. Um, you know, um, back in the 1500s, right? We, uh, you know, we had the, you know, the Reformation when, you know, we went through the dark ages where the Lord allowed, and I have no idea why the Father allowed this, but for, I don't know, a thousand years or something, um, just for, for spiritual darkness to be over the world where very few people understood the truth of the word of God and the son of God and the gospel of God and that true faith that we're talking about here, the, the, the faith that was once for all entrusted to us as believers, that faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, that only in Jesus we receive forgiveness and deliverance from hell and ultimately go to heaven. Um, but, you know, the Lord allowed this, this time of just, just massive darkness, the dark ages where, where the truth of the gospel was not known. And then, you know, um, the Lord opened the eyes of, of some men of God back in the 1500s, late 1400s, right? Um, men like, you know, Martin Luther, right? And John Knox and, uh, and, and John Bunyan and, um, you know, Calvin and, and all these, you know, and many, many more men and women that, 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 that we won't know till we get to heaven, right? And then we came to this, you know, to understand the gospel again, the truth of the word of God came back to us. And since that time, you know, we've, we've now had this truth, right? And it's grown, but we need to contend for that. Do you have a lifestyle at all of contending for the faith? We were talking about in Bible study, how do you do that? Anything you do offensively, now don't get, I didn't say offensively, right? Which I can be offensive. Um, but anything you do intentionally to be on offense, right? Um, you're contending for the faith. Anything you do offensively to advance the cause of Jesus, the gospel of Christ, anytime you love someone in Jesus, anytime you give for Jesus, anytime you forgive for Jesus, anytime you live for Jesus, anytime you love for Jesus with the name of Jesus on your mouth, right? When you give away a gospel tract, Okay, you're contending for the faith. If you have a gospel tract, you can go to our website, kingdomd.org. Everything's free. All the teachings are free. You can, you can print off the tracts that we have there. Um, they're in different languages. But if you print that track, okay, and, you know, um, in our ministry, we don't put any information on the tracks. We just put the gospel on the tracks because we want to contend for the faith. So anyone can print those, kingdomd.org. And, you know, if you print them and you just, you can hand it to people, of course, you can just leave it around. Anywhere you leave the gospel of Jesus Christ in written form or in verbal form, you've contended for the faith. Meaning, we're trying to push back the world today. The non-Christian world is doing everything it can 
to push the faith out of the world, the true faith of Jesus Christ. The world wants to deny it. It wants to believe there's many ways to God. It wants to believe that all religions are okay. It's none of it's true. Jesus of his own mouth in John 14, 6 said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's only in Jesus. So again, when you leave one of those tracks on a car windshield, or you leave it in a, a, a Starbucks bathroom, um, or again, you hand it to someone, or you give it to the waiter, or you just leave it on the table, whatever you do, you've left the gospel there. When you print that track, you've added something. The gospel is on the page of that track. And again, there's many good tracks all over the world, but you've gotten the gospel out. If you send an email to somebody today and encourage them in Jesus, build them up in Jesus, you've, you've contended for the faith. Um, obviously, when you're, when you're helping someone or you're encouraging them in their walk with Christ, when you're, when you're encouraging them to, to give of their time, talents, and energy, and money for Christ, Obviously, when you give into the kingdom of God with your finances, okay, you're contending for the faith. You're using your money and resources to, to build up the faith, to advance the cause of Jesus Christ. Again, we have to contend for it. We have to push back against the wave of evil, the demonic forces in the world that wants to get the faith out. So how much of your life are you serving Jesus Christ and in as much contending for the faith. Wow. Ma'am. All right. Verse four. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. So amongst the church, certain men and women have slipped in who are not genuine. They may call themselves Christians, but it goes on to say they are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. This is an incredible verse in Jude. It says they're godless men who change the grace of our God into a license of immorality. Um, the church has gotten to a point and it's been here for a while. And when I mean the church, I mean the universal church where, where we have taken a grace message and make no mistake. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we are saved. It is by grace we have been saved. God's unmerited favor, we don't deserve it. Through faith in Jesus Christ, it's the gift of God, not of works, not of ourselves, so that we can't boast about it. It's not about us. It's by God's mercy and grace um, so that no one can boast, okay? Um, but the grace message has in, has in most circles gotten so overdone, right, that you know, the Bible does teach the grace of God, but that's one aspect of the character of God. It doesn't teach, we, we're not teaching in balance the other dozen aspects of the character of God, right? Um, you know, and we ought to be balanced in teaching the grace of God and the wrath of God, but we certainly don't do that. We ought to be, we ought to be balanced in teaching the love of Christ, right? And, and, and the wrath of God on sinners who will go to hell without that love of Christ if they don't receive it. And so when Jude writes, for certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you, they're godless men who changed the grace of our God into a license for immorality. Um, 
If you're a Christian today, if you're a genuine Christian, when you make mistakes, and all of us do, me most of all, um, there ought to be some kind of grief or conviction or fear of God in your heart that, you know, the man, Father, that's I know that's not how you created me to be, and I'm sorry. No shame, no condemnation, no guilt. But if you believe that, you know what, now that I've received Jesus Christ as my Savior, I have a license to live in the most selfish ungodly, immoral way possible, then you don't really know Jesus, okay? Because receiving Jesus Christ by the grace of God is not a license to go live any way you want. Now, again, you're not saved by anything you do or don't do. You're saved by trusting in Jesus. But if you've genuinely trusted in Jesus, you will not have a lifestyle of having a license for immorality. You certainly may make mistakes. You may be immoral but there'll be a conviction about it and you'll repent about it. You'll have a lifestyle of more and more living for Jesus. So what is your lifestyle today? Is your general day-to-day -day lifestyle one of just sinful, ungodly, selfish, self-serving, arrogant, conceited, um, belittling, unforgiving behavior? Is that your general lifestyle? Or would you say, you know, sometimes I, I have made those mistakes, which I certainly have, but no, your lifestyle of one is growing more to be like Jesus and to love Jesus and to walk with him. If your lifestyle is one where you're increasingly serving Jesus little by little and little by little turning away more and more from ungodly behavior, then you can be confident that you've genuinely trusted Christ. If it's not, you need to rewind this tape, go back and receive Christ as your savior and anew and afresh. Because these type of people slip in and they say, we'll say, I'm a Christian. I can go live any way I want. That's not what the Bible teaches. So we need to be balanced in the message of grace. Again, certainly we need to teach the grace of God and the love of God. But there are th those who change the grace of our God, verse 4, into a license for immorality. And again, it could be immorality in any way. Jude here has in mind some sort of sexual immorality or impurity, right? Um, but they also deny Jesus Christ as the only sovereign and Lord, okay? There are people who say, I'm Christians, but, you know, they'll deny Jesus Christ as the only sovereign and Lord. If you're a Christian today, the scripture is clear, the Bible is clear, Jesus out of his own mouth is clear in John 14, 6, that he is the only sovereign and Lord. You're not a Christian today. If you think there are there are dozens of road to heaven, okay? And I know that's a hard word, okay? But but these people, now again, and you may not be out misleading the world, but when you're trusting in Jesus Christ, you're doing it knowing he is the only way. He's not just the way for you and someone else can pick their own way. Every human being is sinful, corrupted, and headed to hell and only Jesus can stop that. Only in receiving Jesus can that be stopped. That's why we do all this. That's why we contend for the faith. That's why we're servants of Jesus Christ, because we love people enough that we don't want them to perish in eternal hell. Anyone who, who is claiming to be a Christian and then changes the grace of God, the mercy and love of God into a license for immorality and denies Jesus Christ as the only sovereign and Lord, the only way to the Father, the only way to have their sins forgiven. 
is someone you need to run away from. Okay? It's only in Jesus. You see, Jude is making it clear here. All right? And I'm going to have to end here. Verse 5, though you already know all this, and I love this. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. Okay. Why does Jude say this? Though you already know all this, I want to remind you. I have, uh, I'm often accused, right, Dave, Father Dave, uh, of being pedantic, meaning I'll, I'll hammer home the same point over and over and over again. Why? Because nobody gets it, right? Why is Jude saying, though you already know all this, I want to remind you, okay? Um, we know the truth of the word of God. We know the scriptures, most of us. We know what it says, but we need to be reminded. We need to be reminding ourselves, meditating on the scriptures, thinking about these truths, reminding ourselves of these truths. And then when you hear biblical teaching, right? Hopefully it's reminded to you as Lord willing, I do in these teachings, okay? Um, rap, I mean, though you already know all this, he said, right? Most of the people who listen to his teachings know as much or more than I do, okay? But though you already know all this, I want to remind you. We need a reminder, Becky. We need reminders, Corinne, right? We need to be reminded, Auntie Jackie. Hmm. We need to be reminded, Chris. And Jude here is going to remind us, though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. So again, obviously this is an example he's telling the Christians then and now, okay? The Lord Jesus has blessed you and delivered you in countless ways, whether you believe in him or not. But ultimately, we will be destroyed and suffer eternal punishment in hell if we don't believe and trust and rely on Jesus. The Lord delivered all the people out of Egypt. Okay? If not for Jesus, the whole world will be shut down. Remember in Noah, and he's going to talk about Noah here too. But, you know, the Lord got, the world got so disgusting uh, back in Genesis, you know, chapter 6, that, that, you know, that, God the Father just destroyed the whole world. Only eight people did he spare, okay? Um, verse six, and this is where he's gonna, he's gonna make it clear. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. Wow, 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 wow. And the angels who do not keep their positions of authority, right? It's, uh, it's in several places. In Revelation 12, you'll see that a third of the angels followed Satan, were deceived by Satan, followed Satan, rebelled, and they were kicked out of heaven, thrown to the earth. Um, but there are angels who were so, so rogue and so out of line, and the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, meaning they rebelled in heaven, but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. So, you know, most of the demons, it seems, are, are not bound and they're, they're, they're everywhere deceiving humanity. And only in Jesus Christ are we secure from them. 
Only in Jesus Christ can you be secure and free from the demonic forces. And even then, they'll still, they'll still try to oppress you, but they cannot possess you if you're in Jesus because you're possessed and owned by Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit lives in you. But it says they're bound in everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. All of us are going to appear before judgment. Non-believers will appear at the great white throne judgment. If they had not trusted in Jesus Christ in their life, they'll be judged by their works and deeds, and they'll be assigned a place in hell commensurate with it. So anyone who has not received Jesus Christ, this is Revelation 20, I believe it's 11 to 15, um, you'll be assigned a place in hell according to how selfishly, how wickedly you live your life. So not everyone who goes to hell will have the same position in hell. The other judgment is a judgment for those who have trusted in Christ, for genuine believers in Jesus Christ. Um, it's the great white throne. I'm sorry, it's the, it's the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment for non-believers is the great white throne judgment. 2 Corinthians 5.10 is the, the judgment seat of Christ, where all believers will go before Jesus. And you'll be judged for how you lived your life in Christ, how you served Christ, how you contended for the faith, how you used your time, your gifts and talents, and your money in the advancement of the King of kingdom of God, the Son of God, and the Word of God, and the Gospel of God. And to the extent that you, know, that you did that, you'll be given a reward in heaven. You don't get to heaven by anything you've done, but only by trusting and relying on Jesus, right? But your reward in heaven will be entirely based on how you cooperated with the Holy Spirit and the advancement of the Son of God, the Gospel of God, the Kingdom of God, and the Word of God. So again, you just want to look, how much of my time am I using in the advancement in the cause of Christ? How much of my gifts and talents do I use for my own ends, the, the betterment of my own life, and how much am I using my gifts and talents, the things I'm good at, to advance the cause of Jesus Christ and your money? is generally the biggest thing. How much of your money do you use on yourself in your own life? And how much do you use on the advancement of the kingdom of God and the gospel of God and the son of God and the word of God? We will have a judgment where believers will be judged, will be given a reward, and we'll go off content in eternity no matter what that is in heaven. Okay, So not everyone has the same reward in heaven. Not everyone has the same punishment in hell. All right, and we'll finish here. Verse 7, in a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Okay, Sodom and Gomorrah actually was destroyed with fire from heaven. They were a very affluent town. Okay, um, They had money and they had tremendous perversion. Okay, they had sexual perversions, and again, they were just they were a completely myopic and selfish people in every way, just thinking about how they could gratify themselves and live in the most perverted pleasures possible, sexual and otherwise, right? And he says, in a similar way to these angels, okay, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. Again, as Christians, we often struggle with different perversions and immoral things, and we struggle with, you know, with saying things we ought not to, thinking things we ought not to, um, you know, sometimes with lying. But, but 
if there's a difference between giving yourself over to that and that being your entire lifestyle and you battling back against that and walking with Jesus and struggling about with Jesus to live a more holy life. These people gave themselves up to it totally. Their whole life was about it. And that's generally what a worldly person does. Every aspect of their life is about serving themselves and their desires and their wishes and their wants. But look what he says at the end of seven. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. And without Jesus, you know, all of us in our sin are perverted and immoral. And it's only in Christ, in receiving Christ, that we can escape the punishment of eternal fire. So I'll ask you again, have you genuinely received Jesus? Again, if not, back up the tape. Again, it's not just going through the motions, but it's humbly acknowledging your need of Jesus, that you are a sinner that deserves hell, but that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that you know you believe and contend that only in him can you be saved from your sin and you humble yourself before him and humbly ask him to be the Lord of your life and save you from your sin and you will escape the punishment of eternal fire. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, and your goodness on our lives. We thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you that you have so much grace to us, Lord. But Father, at the same time, I ask you to help us to extend mercy and grace, but not to not to take advantage of your grace, Father, to not abuse your grace. Lord, we thank you for this message from Jude. We thank you for the truths in it, Lord. We ask you to help us. Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us to contend for the faith of Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Son of God, who became a human man, lived a perfect life, died a torturous death, and is, and is alive and risen today, and is the Savior of all the world. Help us, Holy Spirit. Drive us to contend for that and help us to live for Jesus, Holy Spirit. Help us to be help us to be believers and children, Father, that have a lifestyle of not only desiring abundant mercy, peace, and love, but having a lifestyle of extending mercy, peace, and love and bringing it wherever we go. Lord Jesus, we worship you and we thank you today. We commit our whole spirit, soul, heart, mind, and body into your hands, Lord Jesus. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.